Yeah, welcome buddy. one, welcome all, welcome to another episode of Fan Team Radio. I am your host Shyam Khan, joined as always by my co-host Chris Odi Odorizzi. What's up, Chris? Yes, Shyam. What an amazing, crazy race we had at Alba Park this weekend. Uh, a lot of craziness. The track itself, five point three kilometers. That's three point three miles for our American friends. It's fourteen all turns. All Americans. All the Americans. Fourteen turns and four DRS zones. Uh, yeah, what a crazy race. And honestly, I have an opinion on this real quick. I think that this race needs to be the first race of the season. I know before we started watching, this was the traditional season opener. And it just has yeah. that atmosphere as a season opener race. Plus, it's on its own, you know, continent away from everything where there's no other races. And it just feels like a really good first race of the season. Uh, it definitely felt like the best race of the season so far, just in terms of like craziness and excitement. But yeah, what a race. How were uh, your thoughts on that? I mean, I mean, yeah, you know, destruction can also be beautiful, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, if, if, if Lord Voldemort has taught us anything, destruction can also be beautiful. This track lends itself really well to overtakes. You know, it's uh, unlike uh, Baku and uh, a couple of the other, like, start of the year races. It, this does do a really good job at letting, uh, you know, drivers, like, overtake and keeping things competitive and, you know, uh, the right track. But it lends itself to the good types of dramas. Um, but again, this week, you know, the FIA stood out. Um, uh for all the wrong reasons again yeah. um so we'll we'll we'll, t- we'll talk about that a little bit more but we'd love to get your thoughts on this um the start of the race my boy george really you know came out strong yeah i mean your thoughts on the start yeah the, the start of the race was like so crazy to me because you know you got max and p1 and you just expect him to sort of like launch off the line and get out especially with the car that's kind of under him and there comes george russell just blasting ahead of him and getting him straight into the turn like a full attack took him into the turn and, and and passed him for the lead which which then in turn i think max was a little taken back by this and because you could see him sort of like jittering on his wheel losing for traction i think he was sort of like thinking in his head what the you know screw this guy and so maybe you got a little bit too much wheel spin pushing on the gas which then opened the door for lewis and carlos uh on both sides of him to sort of like croach up through turn two leading into turn three uh where then lewis you know pulled a classic max for Sappen move on max for Sappen and took him into turn three and uh you know like after the race max was like you know oh i see the rules aren't being followed because you know and you know me i'm a huge max fan and i love the guy but like come on all is fair man he does it, he does it too he does, he, too. He does yeah. it to everyone. And, you know, uh, I, 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 you know, it was a little bit against the book by Lewis. Like he was not ahead or not alongside at the apex, but come on, this is lap one, turn three. There's, they're going in it's, three wide was, into the turn. All things considered, it was one of the more benign things to happen today. Yeah, uh, so it's you know, totally I think fine. It, but it does, I, I was, um, I don't think this was Max's greatest performance, you know, even stars after off days. I, I didn't fully understand why he was kind of stalled in that front. Uh, you know, as soon as the lights turned, it seemed like he almost tried to defend against people passing him. And in doing so, George just took off ahead of him, which was a great move. And then Lewis put the one, two on him on that turn. 
Um, I mean, obviously, Max came back later on through different means, and then the car is so great, and the DRS zones. Uh, but but in that beginning, I really thought that that George had it. Uh, you know, at least for like the first fourth of that race, George would be in in, in a commanding lead, especially you know given that they had that one two strategy where they sandwiched themselves. You know, in 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 Max kind of. In that front part of the race, I think that tactic was was really um, a silver lining for Mercedes today, uh, being able to kind of control their destiny to number two in the constructor's title, because uh, I'm not fully convinced they'll win the constructor's title, but to at least keep that gap respectable, uh, I think deploying that you know, sandwiching either Sergio or, or, or Max and, and really, you know, staying in front of them that way to make sure that they can't easily overtake. I think that was a really great strategy. I don't know if it was planned, uh, but obviously, you know, you have to kind of be up in that front row uh, as, as a duo to be able to accomplish that uh, most of the time. So uh, it, it, it's something that I would really like to see Mercedes kind of purposefully do uh going you know going forward and in, in, into the season i think it's going to be their their, their one chance that you know kind of really setting themselves apart from aston martin but also really you know closing that gap to a respectable level between themselves and and and, and red bull yeah I what mean, do you think about mercedes today yeah so actually it was you know i'm a huge Red Bull fan and uh, for those who aren't watching the video cast i'm always wearing my red bull jersey because I'm, I'm i'm a big fan supporter but uh, and I'm not definitely taking it off until they lose a race this year. But I was so happy to see Mercedes back into the fight because let's just be honest, 2021 was, you know, one of the best years of Formula One, that the back and forth between Max and Lewis just going at it constantly. And, you know, I miss uh, that, that competitive side. But I think and I think that they got it right here. I think that they got it right attacking off the line uh, and being very aggressive to get in front, because I think that that is any teams, whether it's Mercedes or Aston Martin or potentially even Ferrari, that's their only chance at, you know, stunting Red Bull into a potential win is being able to keep uh, them behind because as soon as the Red Bull gets in clean air uh, and Max in the lead, the straight line speed and the ability to just sort of like um, go much faster on the straights, it's just impossible for people to catch up. And, you know, we see that later in this race here is this max just usually takes off and is eight seconds ahead, nine seconds ahead. And I think that we're going to continue to see that throughout the season if he's in first, but if you have one or two cars in front and you're able to pull off crazy defense moves or something like that, then you can maybe keep him behind or force him into making a mistake or forcing him potentially on, you know, maybe into like a bump or something like that has to pit like, I think that that's the only way. And so I think that was a really good strategy by Mercedes. Uh, you know, like you said, whether they had previously talked about it, I'm sure they obviously want to get, good, get a good launch off the line and get ahead. Um, but, uh, you know, it was uh, – George was a good deal ahead for the first few laps. I mean, he built a really big gap. Um, I don't think he was going to be able to keep that gap fully – um, but I think that that was a really good intention for them to be able to do it. But then comes Alex Albon uh, crashing his car, which causes the first like sort of big moment in this race um, and giving Mercedes this uh, decision that's going to be a very difficult one because initially Alex Albon 
loses his car, loses the rear, goes into the wall. By the way, I thought this was incredibly dangerous. Like, um, I, I not a, but Alex Albin like slide through a big puff of smoke, and he was car was completely invisible. And I totally thought that he was going to get t boned at yeah, full speed. Yeah, uh, t boned on his rear. I, yeah, I thought I thought it could have been time. fatal. Yeah, he was like. Um, these cars like drove by really quick, like in uh, the, I forget the race because I'm not as seasoned, but Kimi Raikkonen went went through like a puff of smoke and just gunned it through it, like the old Days of Thunder, the Tom Cruise movie. You just kind of like close your eyes and go and just pray that you're gonna go. You just have to trust in the car. And I was like, if somebody goes straight through the racing line, they're just gonna T-bone Alex, and that's it. Um, yeah, it was kind of like Japan a couple of years ago when there was so much rain that it was rain was coming up from the ground because there's just so much water and visibility was damn near zero. And when you're on the onboard, you you can't even tell what's 10 feet ahead or like a couple of feet ahead of you. So, yeah, I, I thought that was a really dangerous spot for him to be in, too. I think another dangerous spot later on was due to the next red flag where uh, Zoe and, and and a couple of others locked up trying to adhere to the red flag and then almost ran into each other. You know, it was, yeah. it was and I think Mag uh, 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 ended up going through the sand to, to avoid all that mess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a, a lot of people for even more crashes today, like on top of happened you know just and i think this this points to a bigger fact i know we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this a, a lot more in this conversation the arbitrary nature again of the red flags for today uh for for not today i'm sorry uh for for this past weekend yeah it 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 seemed like it only served the fia's best interest to make this race as exciting as possible in the last couple of laps which seems like it's been their their initiative for the past several races is how do we recreate the atmosphere of 2021 Jetta, and they do they're doing it at a, at a detriment to the sport you know officials shouldn't be so intermingled into every single race to the point that they are the the point of topic you know or the topic of conversation they they should they should be an enigmatic you know but transparent body that governs the FIA race control, even, you know, the, I know that the stewardess, uh, stewardess's uh, uh, punishment that they doled out to Carlos signs, you know, it, it, it really wasn't, you know, why did he get it? And, and Logan Sargent didn't get a, a, you know, take with, with a, with the five second penalty right. for, for, uh, you know, it's again, the arbitrary nature of how they're doling out red flags is, you saw what what happened and you saw potentially what could have happened in the replays so so yeah what what do you, what do you think about that so what's your stance on that fight for this this well race? going back to the album crash with the red flag like it started out as a safety car which i think was the correct assessment of the situation like obviously i agree there was a there's a question uh, especially with the announcers that you know, maybe Albin crashed too hard into the barrier and caused structural integrity damage, which then, you know, they need to actually go out there and figure out if they need to rebuild the Tech Pro and all that kind of stuff within the barrier. But the FAA specifically put out a message that said um, the reason for the red flag is because of the amount of gravel on the road, which is just a ludicrous. The car was mostly in one piece. 
you just get a crane in there, pull the car off, get some marshals out on the track while the safety car is on the other side and sweep off the gravel, which most of the time the gravel is just going to get cleared by the cars anyways and get back yeah. to racing. So I, I want to elaborate a little bit further because once the safety car is called, everyone has to make a decision. Do we pit? Do we not pit? Because pitting under safety car or even under VSC nets you a huge time advantage to pitting during the race. <clears throat> so this was the first like, you know, mistake both by the FAA and by some of the teams. Cause I wasn't actually a huge fan of uh, Mercedes pitting George just because of the fact that what we discussed a few minutes ago, that I think the best bet for Mercedes to keep Red Bull behind is to have both cars in front of him because otherwise if it's just one car, then we're going to see Max just use that straight line speed advantage to pass, which is what ultimately ended up happening to Lewis when he was a sitting yeah. duck. And Lewis was mad. He 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 called uh, he called the team out um, right yeah. after they decided to pit George. Yeah, his team radio message was like, "I'm at a massive disadvantage now because it's like yeah. I'm a sitting duck." So I don't like I can sort of see why that they wanted to pit George, but in that specific circumstance, I just think totally wrong in the moment. However, right after George pits, and I think Carlos pit as well, the the red flag gets called. And this is a situation that I think um, is another like nuanced thing that the FIA needs to figure out because if the if the FAI calls a safety car based on a single incident and then changes their mind on the severity of this incident and says this is now a red flag, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong here, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts, that they can say nothing else has happened. There's no changes. We're we're changing our decision based on the incident that already has happened. Therefore, we will revert to the race order when we called the safety car. Because like George gets put at a massive advantage. Carlos gets put at a massive disadvantage at zero faults of their own based on a decision that somebody else made and then all of a sudden they change their mind. I feel like it's an exploitable thing by the FAA to see, you know, like like you said a few minutes ago about the the potential FAA wanting to make things more entertaining or wanting to to make the last two laps entertaining and stuff like that. And I'm not saying I'm not advocating that they do this, but I'm just saying there's the potential for them saying, "Oh, let's see who pit. Let's see the new order and decide if we now want to call a red flag." to then make the race more interesting because now people are in different positions. Like, again, I'm not saying that they do that. I'm, I'm just saying if they change their minds, I feel like they need to give the teams the ability to take back their decision, potentially. I know the race is a fluid thing like we discussed last episode. Yeah. Lots of things changing. But if nothing has changed and the only thing that's changed is their decision, I feel like maybe there's a, a, a way to go back. I'm not sure what your thoughts on that. I mean, relating it back to American sports, right? Think of all the referees that we actually know of and like their names have been out. It's not for good reasons. It's yeah. not like they went out there and were the best referees in the goddamn world. No, it's because they were caught for cheating or some team doesn't like them or, or they just have a bad rep. You yep. have to, if you're the governing body, you just need to administer the rules in the most, you know, uniform consistent way possible and it has to be tied to uh a, 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 an executive decision maker that that is going to make the right decision based on the rules 
when the rules change and they're not being transparent about it and it applies differently to different teams, you know, and there's and there's examples of that in, in American sports as well, but not to this, not to this length. Yeah. To the point where you make a call and within the within a minute you change it again. But with but in a game, and I mean in, in I'm gonna call it a game, but in a game where milliseconds mean everything that one minute is 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 more than everything to you know it could change the landscape of championships like 100 and it's not due to the merit of the engineers the strategists or anything like that it's not due to the drivers it's due to this you know invisible glove and i just I wish I knew the history better of the sport and how the stewards and race control were, were being scrutinized by the fans. And if it was to an extent that made them make any changes, because right now, again, like with, with a bigger Western fan base and American fan base, like American advertisers are not going to funnel that kind of money to a sport that has so many, you know, so many holes in it at the executive level and and when rules are being administered like this and and crashes happen and you go to the replays and you see other potential crashes that could have happened you know it's it's hard to ignore it's 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 the fi again are in the center spotlight after a race that should have been an awesome race just by virtue of the track and and the cars and the drivers and the and you know that that the the sense of competitiveness that's just naturally in f1 the rest is just bullshit yeah like this is just this is just bullshit and and i think scrutiny you know like like many things will take time for it to take effect you know but but i think as as more media folks talk about it, you know, as as more traditional media starts to pick up on it and start to put a spotlight on it worldwide, hopefully it's a trend that catches on. Um, you know, I think hopefully leadership will change. There'll be you know there'll be more uniformity across like all of the different uh, races and all the stewards and all of race control. Um, but this is this today's example, uh, one of many was a really severe one. Three three red flags, man. That's yeah. first time to be embarrassed about. First time in F1 history. In the entire history of the Spurs, this is the first race with three red flags. And uh actually like I didn't actually believe that when I heard it because I was like clearly like in the 90s or something when cars had no reliability and there was like, you know, death defying crashes all the time. I was like surely it had to happen, but no, this was the first race with three red flags. And that sort of brings me to this point. Uh, I, I was going to bring it up later, but I don't always agree with the guy in the last few months, but total Wolf came out and said that F1 just must better define rules. When to use red flags. And I totally agree here because, you know, not only did we go from safety car to red flag in just sort of this ambiguous moment of like, well, I don't know what we're doing. Let's just call red flag saying, well, you know, similar to when we called the safety car with Lance Stroll, it's just like, uh, well, uh, you know, I guess we'll just do this. So this was a moment that completely changed multiple teams races. Like you said, it should have been an amazing race, which it ultimately was an entertaining, good it was race, a fun race. It, it was, was a, fun a fun race. race. A lot of stuff going on, but you know, we should have seen like what the advantage of uh, the payoff of George pitting for hards. Now, you know, 
obviously ultimately his car ended up exploding which is very unfortunate for george um and it's sort of like validate not validated the faa but like kind of erased their mistake but we should have seen the outcome of that and said like did that work did the did that piss up work instead just this red flag that was unnecessary just so i just totally feel like the like a red flag needs to be this last resort like the track is literally undrivable so dangerous that no one can be on it got to get it done and then i just don't think that any any of the first two red flags were warranted uh for that situation but yeah i was really kind of hoping yeah i think yeah go ahead you know in the effort in the effort to make the sport more entertaining the fia has you know handedly made it less entertaining and more dangerous at the same time three hours for a race and most of it was just you know sitting around trying to clear up the track when when kmx tire came off again you didn't need a whole red flag to take care of that and then you start these guys from a standstill with two three laps to go are you kidding me yeah did you think these guys stopped being competitive after a certain amount of laps so they're just gonna like gentlemanly like let others in in that in that kind of window like like what is like you know artificially kind of pushing towards the last two laps of the race to be more exciting than what what the hell were the first 56 laps for yeah i mean this was another instance like uh, we could just jump into it now it's just like another instance of there was two pieces of debris there was the physical tire which didn't stay on to the to the wheel rim so it wasn't tethered but it was a whole tire that can a single marshal could run out on the track and pick it up and take it off and i'm sure there might have been you know one or two pieces of debris from from the wheelbase but that you know again we have tons of instances throughout the sport of during a safety car the marshals run onto the track grab the pieces of debris run off the track and you know the safety car leads them around any debris and that is what it is. So why why do we need a red flag for what was seemingly a pretty benign accident? And, uh, you know, we're sitting there like, uh, again, they said it was because the wheel, the wheel rib debris. And it's like, so <laughs> like it's going to get picked up. So now we have a red flag again, similar to like, uh, you know, like you brought up like the Abu Dhabi, but something like this happened, in, I believe, Baku year or two ago remember where lewis hamilton overbraked himself in the runoff of baku but it's like why like this should have been a safety car and i think to your point about the faa and entertainment that the, if it if it's a safety car the race ends under safety car and it's completely anticlimactic and so how do we make it climatic we call a red flag and we have a shootout over two laps that like you said these guys are competitors they're gonna, they're gonna out. They're all on brand new soft tires. Or I guess some of them were used, but like they're all gonna over, outbreak themselves, try to gain positions at the start. It it turns itself into a Formula One, uh, uh, uh the celebrity death match. Well, yeah, but I I don't know if you've ever played uh the the EA racing game F one you know twenty the, the series, but it turned into an online lobby of people just. It, it almost looks like burnout. <laughs> yeah, it's just it like gut play. It's like playing burnout, you know, like it's by now you're giving like, like and, and Alpine suffered for it. You're giving t- mid tier teams like Alpine a chance. They, I mean, I, I don't blame those guys. Like they have a chance to win a, a race, you know, like if there's only two laps, 
they can kind of get in there and 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 wedge it in and and hopefully if they get a great good enough start and an aggressive enough start they they could possibly win unlike lap 1 where they're like we have 58 laps to go we need to be more conservative about how we have our start and we need to be able to get to the end we might not win but we'll get to the end here the whole mind shift has changed you know to start these guys like and and you can't blame them. That's what they're paid millions of dollars to do. Yep. That's what they've been they've been doing since they're a kid. So I don't blame the drivers for like being necessarily aggressive. Like uh, of course, like at the end of the day, like they are grown ass men, and like you know they they are they have to be held to 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 standards of their teams and 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 their teammates. But when you put you put rats like in a in a in a cage you know they're all <laughs> going to try to get out by any means necessary you know like Absolutely. that's just the nature of, of 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 who they are so in this situation like it, it was incredibly dangerous it, it was gross because you can tell like even if the fia never admits to it it's due to greed essentially i i feel like is what's kind of driving it all instead of like logical business progression right like like you know there is a way for a brand to 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 get better and and to get more traction and do it in a way that is good for the sport it's sustainable it's it's uh you know you can build on it it's iterative this is cutting corners no pun intended to <laughs> to give to give the fans some sort of entertainment it's like wwe meets ufc which Hot, another topic for for for, for later um, <laughs> do, do you uh, think it's do you think it's directly related and stemmed off of drive to survive do you think this like uh, drive to survive w- was awesome and it got me into the sport a lot more but do you think that they want to build more clippable moments to put into the show uh or at least that maybe this is the impetus of what started it off because this you know this kind of thing is perfect for drive to survive in order to like you know they have the they have the storyline of esteban and pierre hating each other from when they were kids and now all of a sudden you have you know gasly crashing into Ocon, and now they can build a story around that where they're like oh he did it on purpose or oh like you know this thing happened and i'm just like yeah you know because if you just have a race where everything kind of goes by the book and everyone's just going around the track and there's some overtakes or something like that there's not a whole lot of like dramatic stories to pull out of that. But now we have these like yeah. crazy moments that they're setting up by by putting them in these moments, like you said, putting rat in a cage and, and watching to see what happens. And all of a sudden you're building these dramatic storylines of people crashing in, people gunning into each other, breaking the rules or going off track. And I like I don't want Yeah, so I, I, I think just... I think that I, I actually think that's a really good point. I, I haven't thought about it a whole lot until just now. Um, and I don't want to forget my thought because I think it really ties into reality television and how popular it is across every single nation. Right. It used to not be that that reality television format was pretty much, you know, a big staple in, in some like, you know, British cultures and, uh, you know, and, and like, and definitely in America. America did a great job of, you know, scaling it like we do with most uh, entertainment. And when Netflix brought that format to a sport that hadn't really had great traction in America, 
the FIA as a body, I think just took that and just try to juice it for as again, greed. They just try to juice it as much as they can now without really setting any bedlam other than like multiple races in America, you know, like they, that they did that for, for, for their greed as well. But I think like the format of reality TV and the fair nature of sports do not go together well, especially when you have a governing body that is spread across the world and have their own, you know, incentives. So I do think you, I do think that's a good point you bring across is does reality TV and, and the format of that affect how, you know, the future of F1 is evolving because the success of F1 right now, the recent success is tied almost directly to uh, drive to survive and especially when it happened during the pandemic and people just had nothing to really pay attention to uh other than that and the tiger hunter you know <laughs> it, it 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 struck a chord at a time and i'm i would love to see college professors talk about this as a case study but yeah i think it it, it netflix did did kind of change the trajectory of f1 and i think it's a hard argument to, to, to not take into consideration. Yeah. Just like, I would hate to see, like, I know there's a lot of purists of this sport and I don't mind, you know, a little bit of changes here and there, but again, I think F1 became a worldwide phenomenon uh, in everywhere except the States because of, you know, the pure, utter elite competition in the sport you know, watching guys like Michael Schumacher and Senna and these other guys like just take a vehicle and make it do things that most people couldn't. And, and like, you know, it's like the Jordan of, of the world, like just watching someone like dunk from the three point line and stuff like that. It's like you're watching greatness at all costs. And I don't want to see it just turn into reality television. I don't mind a little bit of extra flair here and there or. Um, you know, whatever they want to do to bring it to America, like driving down the Vegas Strip and things like that. But I still want the integrity, the 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 actual sport of it to remain the same. And I think that, you know, that's what we're seeing a little bit with these FAA decisions to create more drama. Because, like, let's be honest, like, they could have run the safety car the last two laps uh, and had it end under safety car. And, you know, that would have been probably the fair thing to do. Um the obviously the third red flag is warranted because there was half the cars on the grid damaged or off the track but yeah uh, you know the first two just were completely unnecessary like you know like you said like while we we still had an exciting race like i just don't think ultimately it was a just race in the end because the faa just needs to like like we've talked about before have a definitive rule book and know exactly when to make the decisions and why um and stick with it and stick with it especially like, especially in situations like going from a yellow flag to a red flag when you know if you stuck with one decision if they just stuck with the red flag you know it would have kept probably george in the race it would have kept carlos from getting you know penalized so much it's just this this a trickle effect to it you know that that or sorry yeah a trickle effect to 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 all these decisions that affect more than just 
that specific, you know, situation. And, and, and I think no, no other sport I've come across where it does that, you know, like if you're in the NBA and you just rot, if you just go deck someone <laughs> and then the, the, the bench gets cleared and a couple of your homies deck other people, they'll go in the replay. They'll find exactly who it was that was involved in that. And then they'd penalize them. They'd have punitive measures against them. And then later on, they'll, they'll give out fines. The game still continues with the backup people for those, for those players. It, it, you know, it's it just, they figure out a way to deal with it. Right. And they, and they, and they stick with it and it works. Right. Like I mentioned in the last episode, you need to find what is appropriate for the speed of the sport. In this sport, one minute can mean everything. You know, one second, a millisecond means everything. Right. So when you think about it through that lens, how can you have such a delay between a yellow flag and a red flag? Enough of a delay to have George come in and pit and then completely throw off Mercedes strategy to be able to get some, you know, sort of one, two in in the podium or one, three in the podium or two, three in the podium and they just let Red Bull unleash essentially, and and it it messes with you know not just the you know the legitimacy of I'm 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 calling it right now Red Bull's eventual win this year. Yeah. You know, it's not just you know it, it takes away from that, but it also puts these like teams like Haas and and Williams that have lower budgets in a in a position where if they keep crashing their cars if they keep getting into these kinds of situations that could have been avoided because you know uh, of of red flags that that shouldn't be doled out what does that do to 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 these teams towards the end of the year are they still adhering to the budget cap that that they had to spend more money on because of the trickle effect of these red flags like like look at alpine they're they're down two cars bad you know yeah like i know that luckily they have four weeks to get everything together and get new you know get their cars fixed but what if we're in back-to-back weekends and and the crash was like like mixed crash and it happened mixed crash last year and it happened to haas you know the team with the least amount of budget or williams yeah what happens then? What happens at see, like race twenty six of the year? Are they just going to be like walking across the finish line like Ricky Bobby style? Like, what, <laughs> are they going to have like a like a fucking rickshaw? Like, what are they going to do? Yeah, we have. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more later, but we got in Baku. We got Spirit Race coming up, and uh, we could talk a little bit more about you know that and the implications of that. But what happens if these crashes happen in the sprint race, and then they have a day? to fix their cars and get them ready for, for the race. And then it happens again. Like I definitely, your, your point about uh, budget caps and things of that nature are super valid. And I think going to be incredibly concerning for even some of the top teams, because, you know, we have new regulations and people are still figuring out their cars. Reliability has already been shown to be, you know, somewhat of an issue. We have George's car blowing up, you know, uh, Charles was on his like second control electronics in the second race of the year. Uh, we've had complaints from Verstappen about the gearbox and stuff like that. And so if you have normal reliability issues and then all of a sudden people are 
crashing their cars at an unusual rate because of decisions like this, every team is going to be hurting for money, reaching the cost cap. And, you know, we have the most amount of races on the calendar than we've ever had 23 races with sprint races. Like if they're going to have dangerous moments like this, yeah, we're going to see pretty much every team protesting like almost every aspect of the regulations in this matter from the cost cap to uh, the allotment of parts that they're allowed and things of that nature. Cause it's just going to be unsustainable. Yeah. Could you imagine Gunther's call to Gene if they had been Alpine today, it would have been disastrous. It would, you know, so. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, it's, you know, that, that I don't foresee it going to that extent, right? Like I do want to clarify. I don't, I don't foresee it being that, but if you keep pulling at the thread of this precedent that is being set, it, it's 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 in the realm of possibility that these teams with really limited budgets are going to be at, at a, not just a disadvantage, but completely out of out of the race right. for, for the for the latter races of the year. So, you know, I, uh, I, again, that, apparently that March twenty first. Meeting didn't really do a whole lot for the FIA. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so I'm glad to see you know they're staying true to to themselves at least. Um, <laughs> consistency cool, and so, inconsistency, <laughs> right? You know, the, the, at least they're doing something right to you know in their minds. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about winners and losers, Chris. Who, who's uh who are your winners and losers this year? Uh, sorry for this race. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, it's got to be Lewis, right? Like, uh, we're we're watching a team and then a guy who basically hates the car that he's driving. Um, and Mercedes has admitted that it's not, you know, their best design and everything. Um, and Mercedes really showed up today and like Lewis kind of looked in old form. Uh, he performed super well. He attacked and, um, you know, even with, uh, even on, George attacked George. Yeah. And we could talk about that a little bit, but yeah, no, Lewis, uh, uh, Lewis was like held his own, stayed in front of Fernando in a potentially slower car, um, and just looked true to form. And I'm, you know, I was super happy to to see him get, uh, you know, that second place. Yeah, yeah. Fernando even said that, you know, uh, you know, I call him the boogeyman. Uh, <laughs> he he was trying to push Lewis and trying to get his tires to dag uh, earlier than needed be, and you know he he has a way of imposing kind of his will on, on others. And Lewis held, held his own, you know, just like the seven time champ that he is. And, and Fernando later on talked about how Lewis drove magnificent, magnificently. And I, I think this was a good, they needed this. He needed this to, to kind of steer the ship as, as right as they can this year. You know, I'm not saying they're going to pull out P ones and P twos consistently, but even with the concept being, you know, subpar, he was able to pull out uh, a really good performance today and avoid all that muck, which I am so thankful for. Um, if it, more than anything else, honestly, this race. Um, and I think another winner, Mark's season for virtue of that. I know George had uh, missed, you know fortunate how his his race went down but but i think now with lewis kind of you know having that p2 and knowing that the car is in a complete bust and that it can compete with uh you know Aston martin definitely outdo ferrari 
um, I, I think this was great for, for, for Mercedes season as well. I think it was a good silver lining for them. Yeah. I mean, we saw last year at the end of the season that, you know, Mercedes was able to, to run up, get a couple podiums and their car looked extra performance. So I am a little concerned that, um, this was more of a track, you know, dependent sort of performance. And I, but honestly, I really hope that they're able to sort of keep this up because, um, as it, as much as we already know that Red Bull is going to win most likely drivers and constructors and take it away, I want to see people challenge it. And I want to see people take it. Um, and, and with Red Bull's uh, wind tunnel disadvantages and uh, you know, their downtime on that, I want to see next year have everyone prove that they can close the gap. And then we can have a three or four way title race next year and have an amazing season of F1. So, uh, yeah, I think Merck season took a big step forward here. Uh, Even as lucky as George was, I I definitely think that he gained that confidence knowing that he can get off the line, get ahead, and to see Lewis finish where he did. Now he knows that we have the car, and they can start building the strategies around that. They could say, you know, we if we can get in this position, this is what we're going to do, and they can know ahead of time how they're going to play it versus just sort of expecting to be running forth and just sort of like in a race of their own. So I definitely, I'll, I'll agree with you here. I think this is a really big bonus for Merck's season. And I really hope that uh, we, we get to see more of this in, as soon as next race. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, knock on wood, but, uh, but I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, um, another team that has, was able to escape and elude uh, the day's disaster was McLaren um yeah Oscar Piastri yeah (laughs) well yeah I you know it was it was awesome to see Oscar get his first points in his home race um Mm -hmm. um it's one of those things that I I can't exactly remember where they were pre-mayhem but they might have benefited a little bit from a few people crashing and you know Carlos getting his penalty and things of that nature um, but it's still a very positive thing to see Mercedes or McLaren, um, you know, performing and getting and getting some good points on the board, uh, and hopefully seeing their, uh, you know, rumored massively upgraded car in Baku, uh, be able to take those points and and further go up the pack. And I'm definitely excited to see where they can go with it. Yeah, yeah, I you know even though uh, Oscar Piastri isn't. Um, he still has some growing to do on on, on me, but uh, I think he had a really good performance today. Uh, he, you know, albeit it was due to the fact that half the track was 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 DNF, but you know <laughs> they held their own. They they avoided the debris. They avoided the the collisions, and and uh, this was probably a win for McLaren this year. You know, all, all said and done, you know they didn't have a disastrous race, which. Um, and 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 in their season, I, I consider that a win. Yep. Uh, uh, who else you got for winners, Chris? I, I'll just give I'll just give one more. Uh, I was going to mention Fernando, but you know he's uh he's riding we'll behind. I think, I think, gonna, I think I think I think we're going to see him a lot more. But I want to give uh, a shout out to Sergio because he started P twenty this race, and I know he's in a rocket ship. But if you were watching some of the passes he made on track today, after. Uh, in, in practice and in, in, in quality, this guy, uh, you know, 
it was debatable whether it was his fault or if he had his car's fault, um, whether there was a setup problem, a mechanical failure. It sounded like Sergio was super convinced that there was and that the rest of the team was kind of alluding that there wasn't. It was sort of driver error. But the guy couldn't put together a single lap the entire weekend in practice, or I, I don't even know if he even finished a few, any good laps. He went off track. He locked his brakes up multiple times, ended up in the grass, ended up in the wall. And, uh, you know, in this first attempt in, in quality, you know, went off track, locked it up and that was it. His race was over. So, uh, or his call, his quality was over and it started P20. And I was actually super, I was like, I haven't seen this guy perform this badly in a long time. And I was like, if it's his fault, we're in trouble. And if it's not his fault, I really hope that they could fix the car. So I was actually expecting Sergio to sort of be out of the race on lap two. Um, and the guy was on fire the whole race. Like this guy was passing guys late into corners, uh, passing on straights around the, uh, around the outside and, and doing some really ballsy moves and, you know, keeping the car on track and performing well. So, yeah, I think yeah, the, his onboards were, were uh, his onboards had me had my palms sweating today. Yeah, uh, it, or sorry, during the race, I I I I did not think that honestly he was going to finish the race uh, yeah, after me after too. the second red flag. I thought he was going to get caught up in 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 something, you know. But I am glad to see that he was able to finish. He was able to charge ahead. You know, again, smooth operator. Just well, just got the job done. Got around uh, the 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 late pack yeah. cars. So I'll while we all, yeah, while we all know that you know his title fight is probably you know all for naught. Like Max is, you know, ultimately probably just a much more refined driver. Uh, he definitely drove today like somebody who was in the title fight because uh, he wanted he wanted to get as many points and limit the damage you could see the sort of fire in his eyes to say like hey if max makes a mistake i want to be there to capitalize and i want to see more yeah. performances like this and you know he's the king of the street so i hope he puts in a good performance at baku um let's talk about let's talk about losers uh you know besides everybody else that we haven't mentioned <laughs> who's your uh who's yeah. your first big loser um, of, the, of the weekend my ultimate loser is alpine today yeah uh, for sure Felt really bad for them. Uh, it was one of those things that I, I, if it was a regular circumstance, I think both Pierre and Esteban would have finished top seven. Even I think they have a good car. I think they were both in the race. They could have been, they could have done really well today, or sorry, during the race. But they had significant damages done to their car. Luckily, they have four weeks to to repair it and then get back uh, before Baku. But um, I think. I think Alpine is going to be my, my biggest losers. Um, Charles, we haven't really talked about him, but poor guy. He did it to himself. I think this race, I know he kind of wanted to pass it off to Lance, but when you look in the replay, uh, he did kind of try to force himself into um, that first turn uh, a little bit more pre uh, prematurely than he should have, I guess. Um, I, I don't know if you uh, remember this from last year, but this was actually a super po poetic moment uh, because when this happened and I saw Charles go in, into the gravel, I actually thought it was Carlos because if you remember last year, Carlos mm. went into the gravel on right. lap two. And I was like, right. I was like, I was like, Oh no, Carlos did it again. <laughs> and so yeah. I, I, I totally thought. And then when I heard it was Charles, I was like, Oh man, like what, 
poetic injustice or what however you want to call it like those ferraris are magnets for the gravel traps and it just, i just felt so bad at that moment because you know the guy can't put a race together and you know it's either his fault or ferrari's letting him down and just watching this guy have this start to the season after what could have been last year is just you know awful to see but yeah definitely charles definitely has to be on the top of the losers he's uh yeah he's having a rough season so uh, far my bold prediction is that after not this next season, but the season after, he'll be going to Aston Martin as their driver too, and Fernando will still be as D one. Yeah, I definitely think that the prestige of Ferrari is never going to go away, and that was his dream. But he will he will leave if it means potential winning a championship. If he can't win a championship at Ferrari, I do see him leaving. And if Aston's the team, then Aston's the team. Or, or whoever's you know the top competitor at the time but i just uh, i feel bad for the guy he's he's a super talented driver and i want to see I, he, I think he's the guy besides lewis that can take it to max so um yeah, yeah. but he just needs to be in the right machine gotta um, be in the right machine uh george george had you know i think we touched on george already uh i'll, I'll consider him a loser this week only because he because of how well he started off and through really no fault of his own got put into position uh after that uh pit stop where he he essentially gave up his position um and then you know the car just f- flailed out uh you don't really see it too often i know a lot of the commentators were talking about it but you don't see it very often from from mercedes that kind of uh failure so uh i put george in there and then i know this is your favorite person in the world but i i will put valtteri uh in in my losers bracket this week uh you know even with all the the cars failing out he still came in kind of you know and last um zoe was even able to get points uh into the points so i think valtteri he was i think he was also second to last in qualifying if i'm not mistaken uh i think we we talked about this chris uh earlier before this call but uh, yeah i think i think retirement's really coming up quickly for him Yep. Uh, I think he has a lot of other, uh, you know, spokes there that that are probably going to be more beneficial for his lifestyle and 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 from F one, uh, and and I, I just don't think Alfa Romero is just there at all as as a team to to really give him any shot at championship. So why stick around? You know, I just don't think there's enough room in the teams right now, uh, for him to for him to be considered for it don't see him going anywhere with Alfa Romero in, in terms of, you know, championship or, or competing for, for a title. I mean, Alfa's going to turn into to Audi and they're going to definitely probably want a German driver behind the wheel would be my, be my guess. And, you know, good on Valtteri for getting a three-year deal. Like I, you know, you know this, but he's my favorite driver in the world. Like I love the guy. I think he's yeah. the absolute best human being on the grid. But if you follow him on any kind of his socials, he's, He's way more devoted to bicycle racing uh, with his wonderful girlfriend. And, you know, he's pushing his coffee brand. I think he's got a vodka, too. And, you know, he's pretty sure out- he's going to start like a, he's going to start some sort of Nordic sauna <laughs> company. Yeah, and, man. And I'll the- probably buy buy their shit, too. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a good businessman. And he's out there like trying to raise money for charities all the time. And I think like, you know, he had a grueling you know, decade or whatever it was uh, in, in F1 and then like racing with Mercedes against Lewis and always with one year deals and just put against it. And I think 
once he got his own deal was able to sort of be the D one in his team. He quickly, like all that stress just came off. And I think he got addicted to sort of that freedom and, and soaking in and kind of realized maybe he's sort of done with the sport. Um, so I, I think he'll probably finish his contract out before Artie takes over, but uh, he'll, I, uh, he'll still go out as one of the top podium holders for at least the next couple of years. Yeah, I still think um, he's a great driver. I just don't think he yeah. has the the fire. The factor. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I, I, we have a lot of losers on this list, but, you know, Carlos, uh, he was, I think it put him in the same category as George is having really lo- a lot of bad luck this weekend. And it's just, you know, the guy, I think he was up in P4. He had a really great race. He made a lot of good decisions, good passing. And, and then all of a sudden, because of a lap one incident based on a red flag that was probably not should have never been called. You know, he gets a five second penalty when everyone's grouped up behind the safety car, which is an automatic out of the points, you know, no one's five seconds behind when you're all in a straight line. And, you know, I, I don't know if you heard his team radio, but the guy was, yeah, it was heartbreaking. Dude, he was crying. Like he was pleading with, with to, to be able to talk to, to someone. Uh, about what just happened yeah and i wanted to bring him up specifically you know not because of what happened but so this this led into uh fred kind of like blasting the faa saying that they took 30 laps to decide on fernando alonso's punishment last race and it took him five seconds to give carlos a penalty here which it's not a bad point it's, it's not a bad point but i can I'm going to agree that the inconsistency is a problem, but I'm going to disagree that the decision was a problem because this is what you want from the FAA. You want them to make a decision in five seconds. So I don't think yelling at them for doing something that we ultimately all want them to be doing is making quick decisions and definitive decisions based on a rule set. And so I don't want, I don't want this to become like, Oh yeah, Fred is like, you're inconsistent. You can't be doing this. Like, I think that they should be doing this now. I don't know how you can define the, you know, the nuanced situations of lap one incidences versus, you know, when there's like 20 cars going into the turn at the same time, everyone's going to have a little budge or, you know, uh, a nudge or a bump every now and then. So it's kind of one of those situations where like, is he, is he in the wrong here actually, or is it just like a racing incidents uh, from a start, but I do want the FA to make these quick decisions, but it is a little unfortunate because they've been so inconsistent and so poor in their decision-making they're getting blasted even when they try to make the right call. And I think it's just leading to more problems down the road. Yeah. So, you know, it's a crying wolf syndrome. Yep. If, you know, if you do it enough times, no one's going to believe you. No one's going to, you know, everyone's just going to scrutinize you all the time and they put themselves in that position, you know? Yep. Uh, it's, it's, they're 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 the creators of their own demise in in, in a lot of ways, uh, and I think they're just trying to get a quick payout before everyone gets fired and replaced. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So right, let's 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 talk hot let's talk hot seats since we're already on it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I think everyone listening can kind of already predict, and I really hope that uh, this isn't going to be a broken record for the whole season. But for me. The FAA, the FAA is in the hot seat again this week. It's just too many indecisions, too many poor decisions that lead to either chaos or, you know, ruining races 
uh, all for the sake of you know what are whatever it is that they're trying to do in the back end, whether whether it was innocent or not, it it just it needs to be more consistent and they need to have a more stringent rule set. So yeah, I'm just gonna put the FAI in the hot seat again and just say, you know, you guys need to to do better. Yeah, I think they're really testing the viewers um, wanting uh, to play devil's advocate, right? They're, they're and it's not even like they're they're hiding their incentives at this point. You know that this will render some you know last second drama that uh, obviously is going to draw eyeballs, but the sport's going to suffer for it. Drivers are going to suffer for it, and and. I just don't know if this has a, a longevity uh, or a, or a real roadmap to 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 build up a brand. I think it's just throwing a lot of flash in the pans and getting a quick, you know, relief uh, of 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 viewerships being thrown their way. You know, they're they're getting more eyeballs on on F one TV. They're getting more subscriptions. But I feel like that'll plateau, and and once viewership goes down, like, what are they going to do then? You know, how are they going? What what are they just going to have like, like like, a, a coliseum fight in the middle, like a like a death match, like in the middle of the race? You know, like <laughs> to like what what is? Are they going to start like you know like having like cars driving backwards during like a a, a, a you know during a week? Like what is the next gimmick? You know, like it's so gimmicky. It's just. I hate that FIA. So 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 after <laughs> after Abu Dhabi, the worst. Yeah, after Abu Dhabi, twenty twenty one. Um, you know, I I was a super max fan. Listen, like after every race, I play max 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 super max. I don't know if you heard that song, but uh, <laughs> I was blasting it after every song or after every race. Lewis was, Lewis fans don't do weird shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to listen to the song. I'll play for you sometime, but <laughs> it's super okay. addictive. It's super addictive. But um, uh, I wanted Max to win so bad, and every single race, I was on the edge of my seat. You know, the the Monza crash and everything like that was just so. It was a crazy season, and I couldn't wait. And then we're sitting there at the end of Abu Dhabi, and Lewis is you know, very much clear of Max many seconds ahead. And then the, the Latifi, the Gotifi crash, you know, caused the safety car and just all this stuff. And as Mr. I was Nutella. watching, yeah, as I was watching it, it, even though it was like high drama and everything like that, once Max crossed the line and Christian Horner was like, Max Verstappen, you are champion. I felt dirty. The whole time, I even looked over to my wife and I said, not like this, like straight up the Matrix, the mouse from the Matrix, like not like this, not like this. Yep. Like I was like, I want Max to win so bad and this feels wrong. And it doesn't feel wrong in the sense that Max did anything wrong. It just didn't feel like the sport had carried itself out the way that it should have been carried out. You know, uh, like. I, as much as I wanted Max to win, Lewis should have probably won by just finishing the race under safety car. And I think we're seeing ourselves setting up for more potential uh, Abu Dhabis because we're already feeling that. And it's like, you know, we, we already knew Max was going to win this race and, you know, Lewis deserves second place. But the rest of the order behind them was, you know, fair game. It's like we have Lance Stroll in fourth place, probably should have been Carlos. You know, if George's car never died, maybe he should have been on the podium. 
Um, but all of these things are being manipulated by the fact that the FAA has indecisions. And so, yeah, just if this continues to keep happening, I mean, I think we're at a point now that if they make good decisions, we'll at least be in a spot where we're most likely should have been. But if this keeps happening more and more often, this is going to be just like, like phony math, right? It's just going to be like, you know, whatever, let's just roll a dice and see who ends up where, because of bad decisions because you can't have teams creating strategies based around who knows what decision is going to be made tomorrow. You have to be able to make quick decisions on track to pit under safety car or whatever. These things need to happen instantly. You said milliseconds matter. And if they never know what's going to happen next, then they can't plan for it. So yeah, just, I think we're both in agreements, FAA hot seat. These guys need to do better. They suck. They suck. Um, Yeah, I think I think one other person I'll put in the hot seat is uh, Nick, uh, Nick DeVries. He, you know, I, I, I'm listening to a lot of other podcasts uh, in the F1 world and kind of reading the articles that, that are being posted. And it seems like he, he is replaceable, right? You know, we can. Yuki is, you know, he's putting up points. uh I mean, I know it might be too early to call, but I just don't think Nick is really putting the drive to Yuki the way that that he he had professed that he would. Um, it's not to say that there's not enough time in the in the in the season uh, for him to make that back up, but uh, but again, yeah, I think I'd put Nick in the in the hot seat in terms of him keeping his uh, his drive uh, at AlphaTauri uh, going into next year. I think I think he you know the DNF for him. Uh, was probably a little bit more avoidable, uh, you know, in respects to the other uh, drivers uh, on the grid that didn't finish uh, for this race. So yeah, I put Nick DeVries uh, in in the hot seat. I think he, if he has a couple more of these kinds of showings, uh, he he probably will lose his seat for for next year. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Alphatari. Um, they have a, a terrible car this year, and um. You know, we don't know what their future ultimately is going to end up being. Like, obviously, Marco says they don't want to sell the team and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you never know what's going on behind the scenes. But uh, I'm not a big fan of Nick. Just general, I don't think he, like, obviously had a really good showing at Monza last year. But, you know, that was like a flash in the pan, just like, like we've said before about other instances of drivers. And I just, he's not performing. He talked a big game, you know, especially in Drivers to Survive. He talked you know, down to Sonoda, like, I'm going to destroy this guy, that kind of thing. And he's just not doing it. And I, um, you know, if they want to be competitive, I, I don't think that unless he actually shows up, he's not going to be there uh, next year. And I, t- I fully support it. And I'm glad Sonoda is actually starting to put in points on the board and he's actually looking like a decent driver this year. So um, yeah, we'll see what, we'll see what happens there. Sure. Uh, I'm not going to put, put this guy in the hot seat quite yet because it's not fair um but let's just say that ferrari is not where they need to be with uh you know i miss maria so uh we'll see we'll see about fred uh we'll see how he performs for the rest of the year but uh doesn't look like ferrari's i agree agree with you too i think it's hard to blame it all on fred right now of course yeah uh, because he's only three races in and and you know the this week's unfortunate 
unfortunate events for both the drivers. You can't really put that on Fred. Of course. Uh, but I agree with you. I think, you know, this season has not had a silver lining yet for Ferrari. Um, and it's his job to find as many silver linings as possible to keep people at bay while they get all the changes in leadership and in engineering that that they need and that 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 Fred wants. Um, so I think that's going to be his, his near-term goal is, is to to put up as as many good headliners as he can, while in the background they are actively working to change the strategy and 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 make the machine more reliable uh, going into the, the rest of 2023. So I, I'm I agree with you there. I think I think Fred I wouldn't put him on there just yet, but he definitely is um, standing next to the hot seat. Yep uh let's look ahead man let's look uh let's look to next week a little bit or next race sorry we got i think three or four weeks before baku um, yeah but it's gonna be our first sprint race of the calendar year which i know comes with some some many hot topics uh because there's a lot of debate in uh the paddock with all the team principals the drivers um uh, it seems like the majority of them are, you know, very against sprint races. Um, and maybe we can like build on this further in future episodes, but uh, it came out that the, the team principals like sort of agreed on a new format for Baku um, to sort of like change the current format that's up there to get rid of free practice two, free practice three. And then Friday would just be the only free practice leading into quality for Sunday then Saturday is quali for the sprint race, and then the sprint race following that on the Saturday. So the sprint race is this completely independent uh, race, and Sunday is the official race based on the quali that occurred two days prior. So, and I think this is the the team sort of like coming up with this format that they're sort of being pushed on by the FAA, which is might be another you know. Um, instance of them just trying to create more big moments and crazy things to sort of because like the sprint race is like that seems like that's all that is is another uh it's a gimmick it's another gimmick another thing to to put on tv another thing to to build a story around more potential opportunities for crashes and things of that nature um and so if the faa is pushing for this and the teams are having to trying to find a way to limit damage with you know reliability and crashes uh, and also like m- make it as a part of the sport where the drivers want to care because guys like max are like super against this um so i'm curious how this is going to like sort of all unfold in in baku uh, if if they're going to be able to ratify this change for them or if it's going to still stay but um I don't know ultimately if I'm a huge fan of sprint or not. The thing that I'm not a fan of, and this just goes back to our same point about the FAA about consistency is I don't understand why we have like four weekends a year with a sprint race and the rest are completely different structure. I think this is the only sport and correct me if I'm wrong. You're like an American sports connoisseur, but like, is there any other sport in the world that has like, Hey, this weekend we're going to have a different rule set. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me why I mean, we have the all-star game 
that's for fun. But yeah, <laughs> like, like you said, MLB, it's for fun. NBA, it's like midway through the season. There's a reason for it. It's like, hey, it's midway through the season for MLB and for NBA. It, it gives us a marker for everyone to kind of just join up, celebrate each other. It'll be for the fans. You know, we could donate all the money and all that, you know, just do some really cool stuff, you know, really bring camaraderie into it. It's a, it's a midpoint. We'll get a little bit of break right after and we'll go right back into the season. Right. There's a rhyme and reason and they're able to put a lot into it to get a really kind of a, a beautiful product out of it. You know, some people watch it, some people don't. A lot of times it's for, it's for the kids, you know, like a younger audience will, will like watching that NFL even, moved their uh, all-star game to to being a flag football game just so yeah. their players don't get hurt because it's a fun thing to do i'm not the biggest fan of it but i i'll give it to them for i i i'm okay with that right this damn shit don't it makes no sense yeah you can't even get your proper race weekends right why are you adding on all of these extra little like gimmicky like side games? You know, like play campaign mode and then go <laughs> and do the side quests. By the way, like wait, I, I but sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like you, you gave me these like I your ideas are like the or your mention of like the flag football and stuff like that. I totally wish everyone would do some sort of like fun stuff where all the drivers like go kart like, racing, go kart like, racing. If like, it was if it was a sprint race with go karts low tension a lot of fun everyone would watch it like souped up go-karts like badass ones you know could, like could you imagine them like, doing that at monaco like like on an extra that'd be day so cool you know given yeah, and like like half of like half the grid and like it could be like just you know the livery could be like you know uh different charities that they're they're part of and like have like delivery stickers like be, like there's so many cool things you can do that's not this gross like 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 side game that they're playing you know yeah. i it they can't even, if they had their races down pat and just really good and and consistent i i'd be all for 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 sprint races you know it shows me that they can handle that responsibility of adding on these like you know uh different races but they can't even get their regular season races right Right. And now you're going to sandwich it in the middle of qualifying in the actual race. What sense does any of that make? It, what happens like, when, when a couple of cars crashes out? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense in the scenario. Like, like the FAA is, uh, and I mentioned this earlier to another uh, friend of mine who watches Formula One is that they're trying to change too many things at once. And when things fall apart, you won't know what that thing is that caused it to fall apart because you're changing things and not letting those things like simmer and figure out where they fall. Like, so you introduce a cost cap, right? Now you're introducing sprint races. You extend the calendar to have more races. Um, and you're, you're just making a ton of changes at the same time. And there's and, still no logic to their traveling schedule. Yeah. Which like, this is one of those things that drives me nuts, which is why I advocated for, for going back to Australia for the opening race because there needs to be, you know, pockets of races. Like there needs to be like the U.S. races and the European races uh, and not like I understand why that they go from, you know, country to country and go all around the world. I understand their logistics, but they're also toting that they want to be carbon neutral. They want to be, you know, like progressive towards climate change and all that kind of stuff. And you can't 
you know, go logistically, you know, like bounce from Australia to Europe, back to the Middle East and stuff like that. And also tote the message that we want to create a sustainable fuel. So that way we're, we're being better for the environment. You know, they just need to start making some sense, which is why I'm just not a big fan of these, the sprint race weekends at the moment, especially the way they have them out. Because first of all, you're doing them four weekends a year or whatever they're doing at this time. And it's like, why that? And then it, it also doesn't fit the schema of, you know, putting people in budget caps. Um, the only benefit that I can come up with is giving the teams the ability to see how their cars perform in the race, in the sprint race, and then maybe making some adjustments for the race. And so like their whole weekend isn't shot based on one setup. But even in this new setup that they have proposed, I don't know when the cars and enter park for me. So we're, I don't know. It makes no sense. I don't know when they could stop changing their car, but I still don't think that's a big enough benefit to justify having these extra races. Like it, it just doesn't make a sense from, from a logistical standpoint. Um, and like I said, I think they're making too many changes. So uh, I don't think there's anything we can do about it this year. And maybe we need to, to have like a breakout, you know, talk about this whole, those sprint stuff, but it's just, it's so weird to me. And the fact that they'd be making changes four weeks before or i'd say i i'd even say just have some stock cars yeah let sprint races really show who is the best driver if all the machines are the same that's something i wouldn't mind watching i wouldn't mind that's never going to happen obviously from like a sponsor standpoint or whatever but it like i don't think the drivers would agree or the teams but like just like we talked about the go-karting thing like that would be awesome too I just don't think it's going to ever happen. So I I want to see these things as much as you do, like see who the best driver is, put them all in F2 cars or whatever. Well, I mean, these to. guys are in go-karts. Like I see Fernando still like, you know, testing out like really awesome go-karts. Like, uh, you know, obviously Carlos has like a lot of videos of him go-karting. It's, it's, it's pure. It would reintroduce some purity to, to this like really gross FIA led sport. <laughs> um, it, it would, in a way, they're stock as, you know, they're stock go karts essentially. Yeah. And it would, it wouldn't. It's, you know, it's at a level where you can't scrutinize these drivers for being better than the other because of go karts. You know, obviously, that the, their their real merit is tested in their in their F one cars, so you don't have to breach that kind of, uh, you know, ego, uh, uh, you know. I guess sensitivity that they might have. <laughs> you can you can you can tie in to like really good nonprofits and charitable work that way. You can you can make it a real thing that people would watch. You can make it a way that like younger audiences can w- would want to watch, and you can make it fun for the drivers. You know, it's it's it, if you if you want to do a sprint race with your F one cars, and those things crash then you're, you're, you're affecting your actual product. Right. <laughs> you know, like it's, 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 I, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of them. If the FIA had a really good track record of like, Hey, we have thing down pat, like, you know, uh, we're good for it. Then I, I'd probably entertain the idea of them hosting these, these free, uh, or sorry, these, um, uh, these sprint races, but, I don't I don't understand why can't why can't they just extend qualifying 
let let that be a little bit longer and really understand who should be where uh, on the starting day. Let them test out their cars and have that be it and have a swell, you know, Sunday race. It just doesn't make sense to me. It definitely, um, it definitely sounds like we need to have, you know, a separate call based on the whole the whole format uh, of Formula One because I have tons of ideas about the way qualifying could could potentially be. You know, uh, like we're plagued by traffic on the track and things of that nature. So I think we could have an instance where we're setting out, you know, half of the cars in like, you know, Q1A and Q1B and that kind of thing. So, but I think there's a lot of potential uh, changes. But, you know, I don't think we're getting away from this, the sprint race scenario because the FAA is in control and they're calling the shots for now. And And they suck. And they suck at the moment. Yeah. So, um, and I think we're seeing, you know, pushback from the principals, from the drivers, uh, you know, Max, I don't know if you, if you saw this, but Max, like uh, a few days ago, basically said, if, uh, if things keep changing the way that they are, he won't be around much longer. Uh, so, cause you know, he's a pure racer at heart and, you know, maybe we don't always agree with him uh, on the racetrack and, and his attitude about certain things, but you know the guy maybe maybe uh something like liv golf will happen where another controlling body that does have their shit together can come in and start taking talent away and Dude, you know i, I don't I am, know I, 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 I was gonna say like uh maybe we have a difference of opinion on on live golf and all that kind of stuff but i actually think that that's what's happening now because uh i think we're sort of turning f1 into live f1 in the sense that it's more about the spectacle, the big money, the big moments and things like that nature. And the pure, the purity of the, like, because uh, uh, maybe I'm not fully correct on this, but I think F1 is basically controlled by the Saudis now, which is who controls all these other leagues uh, like live golf. And I think that that's, this is their version of that. Um, and you know we're losing the PGA Tour. We're losing the way F1 used to be. Uh, I have a buddy who thinks that uh, we're going to get two F1 leagues eventually. We're going to get like F1 America and F1 the way that it is, and it kind of separated out like that. But so I think like what we're seeing now is what you know live F1 would be, um, or I think that that's at least where it's headed. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think um, the 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 sport is is still what appeals to me. Yeah, everything else is what we unfortunately have to talk about uh, because it becomes a topic of conversation. I'm really looking forward to a near future where we can con- you know concentrate more on the drivers finishing and all of them finishing, you know, or most of them finishing. We didn't even get a chance to talk about any of the other drivers because half the pack was, was out. Um, which I've never, never, I don't think that's happened in any IndyCar race. I don't know if that's happened in NASCAR. I know there are big pileups, but the rules are pretty consistent in, in how they are being administered. I don't ever hear about NASCAR's governing body being held under scrutiny at, at the scale that the FIA is. You know, I don't even know the IndyCar governing body, uh, like specifically. So, you know, it, it's like I'm like back to my point. If 
the officials, if you know the name of the officials, there's something wrong. 100%. So let's look into our predictions for um, for the next race in Baku. It's a couple of weeks away. Uh, who you got in the podium? Yeah, I mean, uh, just based on the track um, and that massive long straight in the back, I think the Red Bulls, barring any reliability issues, are just going to dominate. Um, their straight line speed is unmatched, and I think that as long as they have good qualifying and they're at the front of the pack and they get in that clean air, unless we have a uh, Danning Rick, Max Verstappen moment where he's crashing into the back of them and they take each other out, I think we're going to see a Red Bull 1-2. Um, and then, you know, uh, I actually have Alonzo on the podium because he hasn't missed yet, and I kind of want to see that trend to continue, but I definitely think the Mercs have potential to be up there as well. But I'm going to go Max Sergio Alonzo. Yeah, I... I... I can see, I can definitely see that being a real, real uh, podium lineup. Uh, I got Max, Alonzo, and George. Um, I think Max going to dominate uh, uh, in that straight. Um, I think they have a DRS zone set up in a way that 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 favors uh, Red Bull. Um, I'm going to have Fernando slip into P2. I think he's had a the last three races he's been P3. Yep. And I think it's just, uh, you know, it's going to be a race that he's just going to be able to step it up a little bit more. Uh, I didn't put, I think Sergio will be in the top five. I think he may have to compete a little bit with George and Lewis. I think George, uh, depending on how qualifying goes there, I think that two card uh, strategy, uh, if they can position some position themselves correctly and, and qualifying at the, at the front of the grid, they might be able to kind of keep Sergio at bay uh, giving George uh, a, a chance to, to, to get in that P3. So yeah, that's, that's going to be my prediction for, for Baku. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, both of those scenarios are super possible. Um, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of the same faces on the podium this year, unfortunately, for, you know, they, unless we see some massive upgrades from the teams in the back. Uh, but, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of Red Bull, Aston Martin, and hopefully some more Mercedes, um, you know, get to see a Ferrari on the podium. So uh, good predictions. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm – uh as much drama as we are talking about sprint races and things of that nature um i'm a little sad that we have as long of a, a of a downtime without a race week because you know as much as we're bashing on the faa i love formula one i love the sport i love everything about it so um yeah i'm excited for azerbaijan i'm excited for baku it's always a great fun crazy race um so yeah i guess uh uh, we'll see if the FAI can turn their crapness around in three weeks' time. I mean, uh, you know, see you talk again back on April 30th. Yeah, no high hopes for the FIA, but much high hopes for F1 and, and for all the drivers and teams involved. Uh, they do deserve, if they're putting their life on the line, they do deserve fairness. Yes. Think about it. <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. Well, all right, everyone. Good, good talking to you, and we'll see you again in three or four weeks. Later, buddy. See you, everyone. Yeah.